0: Thanks for listening and supporting the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. But before we get into the episode, I want to let you know that the opinions expressed by the artist in this episode may be offensive and that they do not represent my views or the views of the podcast. Regardless of where you sit with his views, this was an interesting episode as he makes up a part of the hip hop landscape and showed an insight into the diverse culture that we all love, both the good, the bad and the ugly. Hi, I'm Aaron and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, where we explore, well, you guessed it, hip hop. I'll be interviewing the best artists in the game while also taking some time to appreciate some new and classic albums. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming news and guests. Also, don't forget to check out my new Patreon under Hip Hop Hustle. That will give you exclusive content and help me keep the show running and getting better. All right, let's get into it. Awesome. There we go. Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. I've got uh, a guest that has been around hip hop for a long, long time, Necro uh absolutely phenomenal artist and to me actually an underrated producer I think you know a lot of your lyrics get a lot of attention but I think in terms of musically uh absolutely phenomenal in terms of the instrumentals that come out and one of the very few artists that I've noticed that actually drop instrumentals as well in terms of albums but man how does it feel you know being in the industry for you know 20 plus years now
1: um you know uh I've been through a lot of transitions, you know, of uh, like a transsexual going through their transition, except I'm not a transsexual. But the fucking hip hop industry is like a fucking big tranny going through. Uh, but that was weird. <laughs> I just woke up. I already compared <laughs> hip hop to fucking trannies. Okay, well, because most of these rappers are trannies. Um, but basically, uh, yeah, that was weird. A lot of fucking transitions, though, in hip-hop. Um, but, yeah, hip-hop, you know, I, I, you got to keep in mind, when I came into hip-hop, uh, I made my first demo in 1990. So this is before CDs, even. <laughs> I go back to, like, when cassette tapes we're like the shit. You would fucking rock cassette. You know what a cassette tape is?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I say I'm young, but I'm not that young. I remember cassette my grandfather had cassette tapes and stuff like that. I remember he would like I'm young, yeah, my
1: grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> I'm young, yeah, my grandfather.
0: I've seen them, I just never personally used them, you know.
1: Is your grandfather David Berkowitz?
0: Uh he's not, unfortunately. Uh okay, I, because
1: I know your name is Berkowitz, right?
0: Yeah, Berkovich, yeah. But uh no, my grandfather's no longer with us. But he's not Ber- uh,
1: Berkovich or Berkowitz?
0: Berkovich. So not so part not of a- the furniture store. I wish I got you the
1: your- store. What about Son of Sam? Are you related to Son of Sam?
0: Uh no, I'm not. Luckily for me, no, I'm not. Uh, uh to be honest, I only found out about Son of Sam like Probably a couple of years ago, and I was like, "This is not great for my name, personally." But no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how about Chopper Reed? Maybe you could be, you be related to him.
0: Well, You're to Australian, be honest, so. yeah, that's true. But like, I don't think Chopper hangs around in my circles. My circles are very much like just chill. Well, Chopper's and,
1: hanging out in the circle of death now, so I don't think yeah. he's, he's around well, your circles anymore. <laughs> his circles below the ground. Rest in peace.
0: I tell you what, I'd hang ear. out with Eric Banner, though. Eric Banner, I'd definitely hang out with, though. I could see that. You look like him. Oh, I'll take it. He's a very... He's he's a good-looking man. I actually saw him once at a fish and chip shop.
1: You dig Eric Banner still gets groovies at this? I mean, I'm sure he might, but uh, it, it, he's probably married, right?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah he's married and he's guy? got kids.
1: Yeah, he's probably not uh, partaking in... Um, if he's married he's probably not partaking uh he would have to be single i would think so yeah so talking about uh hip-hop and transitions um so yeah man uh you know i was there for uh cassette tapes and then um you know vinyl was uh i mean vinyls had a surge a resurgence back but uh I was around during the time where, you know, like everybody would make singles, you know what I mean? Like, obviously right now it's not a standard that you have to put your single on vinyl unless you're into that genre or you're making it like like a, like a collectible or whatever. So, you know, and then CDs during the 2000s, you know, and then um, iTunes 2010 and then now streaming. So I've seen all the transitions, and I've been involved in all of them. So, you know, I'm pretty much a master of the music industry. But it con- it constantly changes. You know what I mean? So, you know, like we go from one thing to one thing, and so you know, you just have to keep adapting. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, if you want to d- dive deeper, ask me, you know, m- something uh, deeper into that. You know what I mean? And I'll, I'll, I'll keep it going.
0: I'm interested in your view because, I mean, you would have seen the huge development in what the sound of hip-hop has done in terms of going from 90s boom-bap to trap and now really technology has pushed the sound that everyone's using in a different direction completely and they're really doing interesting things with not only the instrumentals but their voices and things like that. How do you feel about the way it's moving in terms of the way it's developing?
1: Well, I don't like that shit. Um, I don't like the trap sound. Um, Number one reason I don't like the trap sound is um, I never liked keyboard-type drums, you know? Um, I always liked drums that were... They sound like a real drummer's playing, you know? And so I guess if you want to call it boom-bap, you know what I mean? So if you listen to boom-bap-type drums... We're sampling real drum kits from dudes playing on records. You know what I mean? So if you go to like, just randomly give you an example, an old James Brown record, you're going to hear a guy playing, you know, boom, boom, da, 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 da. da, da. And then, you, you, you know, a lot, at the beginning stages, people would just loop shit, you know, and then make a lot of the earlier hip hop beats. And then shit got a little more, complex and better we would chop the shit and take the snare and the kick boom da, ba, boom, da, boom boom we could do anything we want with it now you know what I mean and so that intrigues me you know what I mean that intrigued me more you know what I'm saying because I like the sound of shit and and when we're sampling records we're sampling dudes playing you know what I mean so I've always seen the beats I make like I'm creating my own band. And it's interesting cuz RZA did that in the new uh, Wu-Tang show. He showed an example and it's that and I agreed with it. And I, you know, I think it was very dope that he did that. And he kind of showed like you know like the Honey Drippers, they made that beat impeach the president which everybody knows. Boom, psh, I can't hum it really, but um you know uh and 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 he was just showing how you know us as beat makers, especially RZA, cuz he's a sampler Like, we'll sample shit. Like, Dre would sample shit, and then he he would play some stuff over it, some synth. But it usually wouldn't just be a whole synth beat. Trap, now, a lot of it, it's just all synth. You know what I mean? So everything's like keyboard. So even the drums are. I like keyboards, but I don't prefer drums that are keyboards because they don't sound real. They, They sound whack basically now you could make a dope beat and it could have synth drums and it could still be a good beat but i would accept it as that okay you made this dope beat it's good i wouldn't i personally wouldn't want my whole sound to be that so i so yes if i hear a beat yes there's some trap beats that are good you know what i mean because a beat is technically melody and, and you know you could flow on it but there's different sounds you know what i mean it's like if you if you make metal, you're going to want, if, you, if you're Metallica or Obituary or whatever, you're going to want a certain sound that you create. Sure, maybe something good could be made if it isn't that Metallica sound. But Metallica chose, you know what I mean? So everyone chooses the sound they want. I kind of feel like with Boom Bap or my style, I would call it more 90s hip-hop style. Um, we like sampling. And, and see, the cool thing about sampling is the shit that Necro will use won't be the shit that uh, DJ Premier will use. We, we, we might both fuck with the same record, right? We both might be intrigued by this Quincy Jones produced Sydney Portier movie from 1969 that has fucking 100 different samples on it. But he's going to fucking pick something that works for Gangstar. You know what I mean, and it's going to be primo, and then I'm going to hear something that's necro, because I'm going to hear something that's going to make me want to spit on it. Primo's going to make something that either he's going to produce for someone else, or it would have been made for Guru style, rest in peace. And Guru style was hard, and he dropped a lot of knowledge, and he he had a good flavor. Necro style, I might be thinking I'm gonna I want to rap straight up death rap. Off. So I might just be talking about, you know, straight just, you know, murder, you know what I'm saying? Or or or, or violence or or, you know, my, my version of, of releasing my aggression. So different samples are gonna are gonna speak to me that might speak for what Primo's gonna decide to do for what he wants to do. And and same thing with Kanye West, because he uses a lot of samples as well, even though he does synth you know he'll 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 add samples and shit or, or RZA. RZA, you know we we take a lot of soul samples you know a lot of stuff from black soul and he would find really creative stuff in those records that other people had used and then he would build on them you know what i mean and, and 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 so that's his flavor you know what i'm saying so everyone has a different flavor so the trap sound i feel it doesn't really allow you to delve into sampling that, that much. You know what I mean? But you know, some people do. And 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 that's like, you know, 3-6 mafia, let's say they would sample, but but they use that down south. Like they might sample and then put it with the with the keyboard drums. It's not particularly the sound I like. So basically I never really liked the trap sound. Uh as far as uh the rap, you know, people started calling it mumble rap. Because I don't know, I don't understand how a lot of these dudes would rhyme and you wouldn't understand. And that was like a style, almost not being understood. I don't I don't really get that because I come from the world of lyricism where when you rap, you know, you want your shit. It's you know, I'm getting outrageous on you, pulling razors on you, blazing on you, 12 gauges on you, amazing the ways it puts your veins on you. I warn you, I'll bring euthanasia upon you on some shock in Asia shit, split your face, spit on your corpse, you're a Ghana. You understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. You get the lyrics.
1: A lot of the mumble shit with that, uh, and I think that's where people started dissing it because it's like, okay, I get it. You got a style, like, you know, that's you trying to be original, I guess, but we don't know what the fuck you're saying. And unless you're rapping foreign, if you're an American rapper or someone from, who comes from an English country, English-speaking country, how the fuck do I not understand you? So you, you can't respect that. I mean, if the hip-hop we grew up on in the 80s, we didn't understand what the fuck was being said, hip-hop never would have got to where it is now. I mean, the whole point of why we loved hip-hop was we understood Run-DMC. We understood ll j you know what I mean? We understood rock him, the, all the legends. They were actually very lyrical and linguistic.
0: Yeah, now, I, I, I mean, certainly. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you that if the if people didn't understand hip hop when it started, then because I mean, they were talking about their lives. They were talking about you know really important things that were going through and they were obviously sampling as well is one of my favorite parts of hip hop. Like i love hearing the interesting samples as, as, as just a fan, because I'm, I turn around, I'm like, and I go back to the song that anyone sampled. I'm like, how the fuck did you pick that? And how did you pick like, and cut it in such a specific way that it fits. So for me personally, I love the sampling, but when it comes to modern hip hop, it's like, it's like, different thing for different vibe. I can understand because what they're trying to do is they're trying to get the voice to be purely an instrument. So it's like, it doesn't really matter what they're saying. They're trying to find the right tonality for the sound. And so that's where I think a lot of people fuck with it is if you're a casual hip hop fan, you're actually not that concerned with what they're saying. They're just concerned with, does it sound good? And so they can actually get away with it. And only when you focus and only when you get into hip-hop, like my young youngest brother, he just started, he went back and listened to uh, Rakim and he was like, holy shit, this is amazing. But he started on finding modern hip-hop and just sonically getting into it and then being encouraged to continue and find other sounds that he likes and go back into the history. So I kind of see both parts of it that it's, you know, for classic hip-hop it's definitely not the same, but it still gets people into the genre.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 listen. I can understand if somebody doesn't know better, and uh, that's a problem. If you don't know it, if you don't know better, and you're ignorant, then you might think modern hip hop, you know, the shit that you know the majority are releasing, is dope because you just don't know better. So you're, you, you know, um, I guess we have to. You know, you have to pardon ignorance because ignorance is not necessarily their fault. Um, But, um, yeah, I hear some of this shit and it's like, I don't think, you know, it's dope if your whole verse is auto-tuned, you know, like. It's not even about dissing auto-tune because I like auto-tune when Funkadelic uses it or when they did use it. I liked auto-tune when Dr. Dre would use it occasionally on Snoop songs and, you know, and, and, and sparingly it was being used as, a, as, a, as an instrument, not as a crutch or as a, a played out instrument where now it's whack. You know what I mean? It was being used as, as like wah-wah. Wawa pedal, you know, which is dope, you know, uh, but you know, obviously, you don't want every song and everything to be wawa, and then it gets to the point where you know what I'm saying, you're overdoing it, you know. So, um, when those guys like from Funkadelic or George Clinton, or uh, I think the other guy's name is Roger Troutman, it was all part of like the parliament and all those funk records, they used it awesome, so now. Uh, these rappers, you know, they're using it, and and uh, and then they're trying to sing, and um, I don't like the singing. I think the shit is whack. You know what I mean? Like, you hear these rappers, like, you know, it's just like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crying. It's like this little peep shit.
0: I hate when rappers sing and they can't sing. Someone needs to tell them not to do it. I Actually, hundred percent agree with you. That like it's a lot of some- this
1: singing shit. It's a lot of this singing shit, and then uh a lot of this suicidal, emo type of fucking shit that the people thought was amazing with little tattoos on your face. And I don't know, I I think it's whack as fuck. I mean, but here's the thing, you know, they always say that the uh, older generation is going to say the new generation is whack. And I I, I hear you, you know, if you're from, if you're from the original hip hop, you can't really say Run DMC was whack. And if you're from the Run-DMC era, you can't really say Big Daddy Kane and Rakim and G-Rap were whack. And if you're from their era, you can't say that Wu-Tang and Nas was whack. So all those eras were dope. But, you know, if people ask me, well, what kind of style do you do, Necro, now? I'll always say, well, it appears that I'm still doing, you know, 1990s boom bap style in my style which is brutal death rap sex rap or whatever but you know the 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 way you're going to hear it is it's going to be very lyrical thought out you know complex shit and and uh you know that that kind of wordplay and and the beats are going to be boom bap beats real drums cut up you know i mean samples nobody will ever use except necro you know what i mean because obviously there's a billion samples in the planet so every rapper is going to choose what, you know, We, we, we t- I mentioned that earlier, whatever speaks to me. So that already, listening to Necro, you're always going to hear samples nobody else will really use because a lot of people can't flip the shit that I will flip because they wouldn't know how to. You know, and that's why I don't, my beats don't sound like premieres. Even though I'm influenced by premier, you know, like he's like an uncle, you know what I'm saying, to me. He's a hip-hop uncle that I learned from. I didn't copy his style. You know what I mean? I, I got influenced by his dopeness. I respect when people are influenced by Necro's dopeness. I don't respect when you bite my shit and just copy my shit and try to walk around the world like you're doing my shit, which a lot of people do. They're just biters. If you're influenced by someone and then you create your own shit, that's respectable. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I could deep dive into talking about hip hop now and blah, blah blah. I just don't like it. You know what I mean? I, I mean, look, anyone can make a good song. You'll hear things here and there. Uh, as a whole, I don't like the direction of it. You know what I mean? I think uh, the style of that I'm doing. It wasn't that people in the 2000s weren't doing it anymore they were actually cuz a lot of like if you listen to like the G unit and shit and all that it's all samples it's all hip hop but you know a lot of it has good drums so you know it it i think it hip hop really 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 fully 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 went downhill 2000 and forward in the last 10 years or so is when it, when it got really you know what i mean like really whack as far as the the newer shit um but you know all the 90s, and then, you know, the 2000s, I can't just say it's whack, because that's when I started dropping shit. I was around for the whole 90s. My come up. But my first release is technically 99, 2000. You know, and then all the people from my world, because my world is not the same world as the Nas pun world. That's a major label world where all those guys got major label deals. I'm a a legend, pioneer, or person from the the independent era where rappers started doing everything themselves. So when I dropped my shit independently, first year, it's the same year Jedi Mind Trick shit dropped independently, same year Core Mega's album dropped independently, Freddie Fox independently, and 50 Cent. Because his first release was Guess Who's Back? And actually, everyone I just mentioned all dropped through land speed distribution because we had all become our own labels at that time. And we we started doing deals with distribution companies and land speed was one of them. So 2000 was the era where we were all a lot of us did our shit independently. You know what I'm saying? So everything was smaller. We didn't obviously blow up major label sales and all that. You know, we didn't we didn't have those options. But the music we were dropping was all fire like the 90s shit. You know what I'm saying? Because that's where we had come from. We hadn't changed. Oh, it's 2000. We're now not going to be the real hip hop. No, it just was like now we have our opportunities to release shit. Because everybody who I mentioned all couldn't either get a really good major deal or shit fell through or shit fucked up. And we were finally able to get our shit out. So you got to figure if my debut dropped in 2000, from 1990 to 2000, I was brewing whatever Necro would become. You know what I'm saying? Like making beats, you know, like demos and everything leading up to that, going up to radio stations. uh, You know, I had a full-fledged fan base by the time my first album dropped. It wasn't like major label people. Sometimes they don't have a fan base, especially back then. Nowadays, you won't get a deal if you don't have a fan base already. But back in, like, 91, you would just get signed off a demo, you know, and somebody shopped you, and you get a fucking deal with a major label if they thought you would, you know, so you didn't have to put in that work. That's why a lot of the people back from back then, they can't survive the independent world, because the independent world was about hard work. We had to fucking twenty-four-seven grind, you know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't go through that, you know what I mean? Like, they, they had fucking people helping them. I've paid for everything Necro's ever done and released. I've never, ever been funded once. That's why I own everything, and I get paid every penny for anything Necro has dropped. So I make more money than a lot of people who their first debut or their second debut or even first three records are owned by some other motherfucker who they did a deal with, and that might be their hottest shit in their catalog. So they might be complaining about streaming And they might not be making money now Because they, uh, Their hottest work does Is streaming Into someone else's pocket
0: Did you ever consider a deal? Or were you, once you dropped we are- I
1: wanted to get a fucking major label deal But nobody would sign me I, I, There were two things in the way of me getting signed Being white, constantly That was a problem New York City is extremely racist the hip hop community in new york city is racist they don't like white people and they don't like jews i happen to be a white jew okay and then i'm hardcore i'm intimidating so you know the not only is the music intimidating i can be an intimidating person depending who is opposite of me in my face at that time If it's a street dude and he keeps it real and he's street like me, we probably get along. If it's an industry pussy, somebody who's never been from the street, but they like to judge people from the street, you know, a lot of them do. You know, they're not from the street. They might have a cousin who is gangster or maybe they come from a hood that was gangster, but they were never gangster because you could come from a hood that's gangster and still be pussy. People bullied you. You never sold drugs. You never stood up for yourself. And, it, you know, so there's tough people and weak people. Doesn't really. You can be a tough guy and not be from the hood and just be a kid that's tough. Maybe your father beat the fuck out of you. You know what I mean? Your whole childhood, you was drunk and you became rough, rugged. You know what I mean? And then you started boxing and totally live in a suburb. It doesn't really make a difference technically where you're from. It's more where you're at mentally. So... You know, we all been through what we've been through. So we all react to shit differently based on what we've been through. So my reaction to people fronting on me, because the time I came from, it was major obstacles. There was no just put your shit online and make a fan base. There was no SoundCloud. There was no Spotify. There was no YouTube. There was no CD Baby, TuneCore. I come from the time where you have to fucking kiss people's asses, which I never did. For anyone to do anything for you, it's gatekeepers everywhere. Every fucking thing you want to get to a radio station, a rap gatekeeper. Want to get a record deal, gatekeeper. Want to, you know what I mean? Anything that you and that you want to have happen for you, there's some motherfucker in your way that's not making it easy for you. So now, being white in New York City, you know, I'm not gonna. I don't want to mention colors, but a lot of people. That are not white don't like white people. So everywhere I'm going, I'm constantly fucking being fucking started with and judged, and kind of like from what I get, maybe I'm wrong, but in Australia, Aboriginals, right, are considered like they would get hated on in society. Is that I mean, true?
0: It used to be really bad. Where okay, it's so getting way, better. So, okay, it's getting so, a lot so better.
1: Way, okay, so the way that let's say they would get treated in Australia because they're not the minor- majority right they're more of a minority Definitely being a white boy in New York City doing hip hop there was like nobody when I started fucking trying to get into the game there was Vanilla Ice and that's it oh and third base and he was uh, Vanilla Ice was hated and despised because I don't really know why I didn't like him at the beginning. I thought he was garbage. You know what I mean? It was considered commercial garbage, but when you look back now, it wasn't that whack, which is why it blew up. But I think the problem was because blacks like Arsenio Hall hated him, didn't like that. This white guy was, you know, doing black music. They looked for ways to to destroy his credibility. And so that's what happened with Vanilla Ice. Like they kept, oh, you from the hood? You're lying, you're lying. Like they kept testing him, you know what I'm saying? To try to look for a way to shit on this white kid. But a black guy produced Vanilla Ice. So if black people didn't want Vanilla Ice to blow up, why did a black guy produce him? Obviously the black guy was cool with him. See, that's the thing. A lot of white guys would be cool with one or two black guys you understand because they have an understanding but the majority of the black community is not fucking with this white kid you know they're like fuck that you know what i'm saying because the media will feed them where this is whack this is whack vanilla ice was getting respect where he was from he would dance at all the parties he had the flat top he was dressing dope he was one of the illest dancers so he would go to a club and be at a party and he wasn't getting punched in his face and beat up and fucking and told, fuck you, or you suck. He was actually being accepted because he was dope in that realm. You know what I'm saying? Like like, like, like people would probably be like, oh, let's see you dance. And he would dance and do his thing and they will be like, all right, you got to pass, you're good. You know what I'm saying? Because they knew his heart was there into the hip hop. But when he blew the fuck up, now you got people like Arsenio that are hating on him. He's not, Arsenio's not trying to hear that this guy did, you know what I mean, earn props or whatever. And then uh, third base dissed Vanilla Ice and then they dissed MC Hammer. MC Hammer is an example who was basically very similar to Vanilla Ice, right? As far as commerciality, they both blew up, they all toured together. Yes, MC Hammer was hated on, but in the street, People feared MC Hammer. He was, he, he was known as a rugged fucking dude. Like, and his crew were all killers and gangsters. And So Vanilla Ice was almost getting a pass for being super commercial and a sellout because he had the hood pass and Vanilla Ice got shitted on because he was white. So I'm coming up in hip-hop now and I'm going to different places trying to push Necro. Necro shit is hardcore shit. Nothing like Vanilla Ice. I'm New York, underground, You know what I mean? I'm part of the circuit, but I'm just getting judged everywhere. Oh, you're white, you rap, you like vanilla ice. Oh, you're Jewish. Do you rap like like a rabbi? Like dumb shit. So now, how would you feel? You know, if whatever you represented, okay, you're an Australian. Let's say, just for an example, you're in New York City, and everyone's like, ah, you're an Australian. Are you rapping Australia? Are you rapping about fosters? And uh, Crocodile Dundee? Yeah, maybe you might laugh if you're a human, okay? But at some point, it's going to be like, you're trying to disrespect me? Like, I'm a real hip-hop guy. I'm a rapper. Because I'm from Australia, you're trying to make a joke out of, you know what I'm saying? That's how people in New York City are, they're pieces of shit. Eventually, you're going to start getting pissed off. You're going to develop a chip on your shoulder. And you, and, you know, if you're like me. You know what I'm saying? Remember, I grew up in the projects created a different kind of person that I might have been if I didn't. My projects was half black, half white. But the black part of the projects was very aggressive because it was the 80s. Blacks were very angry. The crack epidemic. So I'm a little kid being thrown into the projects and, you know, blacks are up my fucking throat immediately. You know what I mean? Like, I got robbed by like 15 black kids. The first day we were in the projects, big wake up call, right? Because I'd never lived in an area, you know, I had lived in a, a, a white area up until the point where I was six years old, so I didn't deal why with did racism.
0: So why was what, what, we why got was kicked
1: out? We we got kicked out because the landlord was a scumbag, and uh, my mother had kept getting into beef with him. He, he lived in the basement. His name was ben, Benny, and uh, he was an abusive guy. And, um, I just remember him always creating problems, you know, like, like banging that we made noise, you know, we're little kids, Uh, who knows what we definitely weren't blasting music, but you could, you know, the guy was a a real piece of shit. And we moved that. And my mother, my mother didn't know what the projects was. She didn't. My mother's a very naive person. She didn't understand like, yo, you're moving your kids into the hood, basically. Or, or, or something you would consider that would be called a hood. You know what I'm saying? It's like she just knew it was cheap rent. You know what I mean? It was a project. She didn't understand. And how old was your
0: mom at the time? Because obviously you've got a brother as well. Be also my mother
1: was. My mother was, you know, if I moved into the projects at six, my mother, I guess she was 36 at the time, you know? But my mother had always been working, you know? She was always like a secretary or, you know, like somebody doing dictation you know, and pause doing, you know, type. That was her thing. She was the, you know, the woman that would work under the boss doing the fucking, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. My mother was the one that, you know, people tried to sexually harass, you know, like like my mother's the original Me Too movement because she was getting harassed by these fucking bosses before there was a Me Too movement. You know what I mean? She was the one who would be the secretary that gets hired and then did all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's crazy because back then that was like a, a job for a woman. You know, most women, a lot, a lot of women would get hired under a man being the, uh, you know, the person that does like like dictation is a known thing. It's a funny word, but the boss he says, okay, do dictation, you know, and then and then the woman writes out whatever he says, yeah, which, which gets sent to somebody in the business. Basically, these fucking bosses wouldn't write out their own shit.
0: Yeah, they just. That's yeah, funny they just to me when you
1: think about it now. When you think about it now, they had women doing dictation, like literally, and the women would type it out. So my mother was a secretary, and she always worked. So my mother was a hard worker. You know what I mean? She she was. You know what I mean? She 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 didn't. She wasn't a lazy person. You know what I mean? When it came to get work, she, she always had a job, and you know what I mean. So she didn't contemplate putting us in the projects. Was gonna have us getting into beef with, kind of like gang you know what I mean it was gangs you know what I mean but it's different in New York it's not like in LA how you know it's crip gang and this gang but there were gangs you know what I mean there was the Decepticons and, and 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 for example in my projects but anyway long story short I'm growing up in the projects I'm becoming tough you know what I mean I'm dealing with drama I'm having a fight every day literally like there was no peace for me as a childhood as as a a child because anyone who grows up in the new york city housing projects will tell you it's non-stop fighting you literally every day you're fighting somebody it's like i don't know why it was like that you know what i mean but they say because when you have so many people on top of each other you know because it's buildings and you're so close together you put that many fucking crabs in a bucket everyone's gonna fight you know to get out of the the bucket where you know when people lived in neighborhoods with houses, it was at least separated. Your house, your house, your house, you know, and a lot of people lived, you know, a couple of blocks from each other. And it means where in the projects, your enemy could literally could be your next door neighbor. Like, you know, what I mean three feet from you.
0: What did that you do? Might to you might see your
1: enemy when you're going to throw out the garbage. So it create it creates a more hostile environment, I think. And it also meshes people together closer more because if everybody's gonna play football outside you know what i'm saying it's very easy for everyone to meet each other outside because if you're from this building and that building and that building and that building the middle is right here so everyone really can clash you know what i mean where in other neighborhoods you might have to travel a couple of blocks to get to the football area you know what i mean so the projects definitely just made a lot of drama and so i come from a part in hip-hop where i grew up with blacks very young i dealt with a lot of racism It's not that blacks weren't my friend In the projects, the young kids, my first friends were black. But New New York in the 80s had a lot of racism. There was a lot of beef between religious Jews and blacks in Crown Heights. That created major tension. Uh, Italians would beat up blacks if blacks went into Italian neighborhood. You obviously couldn't go into a black neighborhood if you were white. It was beef like that. Like right now, you can go into certain neighborhoods. Right now, a black guy can walk anywhere in New York City, almost any neighborhood, and there will not be a crew of 20 white guys with baseball bats looking to crack your skull open. Back then, is if only you went into Bensonhurst, I'm yeah. oh, sorry, I'll just say one last thing. Back then, if you went into Bensonhurst and you were black, 20 guys would chase you and crack your skull open. It's not like that anymore, but it was. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: Well, obviously that's only a good thing, but I can only imagine that, you know, it's, it's rough because if you experience it, then you have that mindset of like, okay, this is the, the standard that's being set. So when you're young and you go into a place that quote unquote, you shouldn't be, and then you get accosted or harassed or beat up. Like you said, you become jaded, you have a chip on your shoulder, and then you're like, oh, okay, they can't be trusted. And it's just a bad circle that just goes around and around. But, yeah, know- I
1: don't think people understand why Necro was always an intimidating person because they never wanted to understand me. I got judged. And um, I think if they knew my story, I used to want to get my story out. You know what I mean? I always wanted press, and I had a lot of press, but I didn't get a lot of press as well. A lot of people didn't give me press, so that you know, uh, I got judged just on the music or whatever, or I was hated because I'm white or whatever, or I'm Jew. I've never shied away from letting people know I'm a proud Jew. Now, let me make that clear. First of all, I'm not religious. You know what I mean? So it has nothing to do with religion. Um my family's Jewish. My father's Israeli. You know what I mean? It's just what I come from. Like you're an Australian or an Italian might be from Queens and he's Italian from American Italian heritage and whatever went, whatever went with that. You know what I mean? And Irish, you know, we have our heritage. Now, if you're not proud of who you are, that's a shame. You know what I mean? That means you, 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 you're embarrassed of what you are. You know what I mean? So, you know, everyone's always been very proud if they're Irish, right? You had a house of pain pushing their shit. Uh, You haven't really seen many Italian rappers from New York city or America really ever blow up, which is a shame. That's another part of racism in hip hop. Every Italian rapper that ever got signed always got fucking shelved and always got fronted on. And then you've never seen an Italian kid blow up in hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Not that I know of, you know? Um, and so I just don't shy away. If so if somebody would ask me, oh, where are you from? You know, that, well, you know, well, okay, I'm from the projects. Well, what are you, Italian? No, I'm actually Jewish. Oh, you, oh you, you're Jewish? See, there's this big thing in hip hop where all the black rappers have always shit on Jews. We're usually either called the lawyers oh, let me call my Jew lawyer. Let me call my Jew lawyer. Da-da-da-da-da. Basically, Blacks can stereotype us. Call us cheap and call us fucking killers of Palestinians and and and, we'll, and we're lawyers. But you can't stereotype a Black person, though, or you'll be called racist. You can't make a stereotype about anyone else because then, yeah, you're a racist. But for some reason, there's a past... That Jews, we can get fucking shit on and stereotypes, And nobody says a fucking thing. So, uh in hip-hop, most of the dudes that helped the black artists in hip-hop were Jews. How crazy is that? Okay? So, for instance, you wouldn't have Def Jam Records if you didn't have Rick Rubin. You take away Rick Rubin, you don't have Run DMC, you don't have LL Cool J. Basically, that, 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 that could be one of the pillars that would knock down the building of hip-hop. If you took away Run DMC and LL Cool J, what they did, that would be a faulty part in the building. Can we agree? And one of the fucking pillars holding up hip-hop, that might have it where hip-hop wouldn't be where it is now. Right? Run DMC's supposed to be the first group that ever went platinum, right? In yeah. hip hop. Okay. So take away Rick Rubin's beats, right? Someone might say, an outsider who's a hater. Ah, they still would have blew up if someone not. That's not how it works in history. You don't take the credit away from somebody. You don't say, oh, he created the car, but someone else would have did. So we're not going to give that guy the props because he created. No, if you created something, you get your fucking respect. Rick Rubin started with Russell Simmons. Now notice, Black and Jewish unity. Combining, doing something monumental. Not just as a record label, but as production. You know what I'm saying? Because each one had their value. Russell Simmons was really good at, uh, at hustling and going out there and speaking to people. Rick Rubin had knew the sound. Rick Rubin went to the clubs, but he wasn't politicking deals as much. He was more talking with rappers about the production, the sound, and you know what I mean? And and he was focused on that. So he brought that. Russell Simmons did not have that. Rick Rubin didn't have the coolness of Russell Simmons doing coke with everybody and making deals, and he needed that. And together, they they made history. Another fucking example, just a random fucking example. Loud Records, okay? Steve Rifkin, another Jew, he signed Wu-Tang and allowed Wu-Tang to do their legendary separate deals. No other Jew ever allowed that, and no other black executive or Latino allowed anyone to do that. It was a Jew that let Wu-Tang be Wu-Tang and say, okay, I want you that bad. You can fucking all do separate fucking solo deals with every other major label. And he put out Big Pun and started the street team. And here's the crazy shit. Rick, uh, Steve Rifkin's never showed me love as Necro. Never met him before. But I have to give praise to the point I'm making. I, I don't usually praise people that have never supported me. Like, meaning I'm not going to go on a rant praising, you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm about facts, though. The real is the real. You have to give credit where it's due. So now, if you took away a Steve Rifkin... You don't have Big Pun, the first Latino rapper going platinum, because the way that Steve Rifkin made Pun go platinum was he created something called the street team where people go in the street and they put up shit everywhere in the streets. This wasn't done like that before. He did it. Where everywhere you looked, there would be a fucking thing up everywhere. He was the first one to do it, from what I understand. Steve Rifkin created the street team, and everyone copied him after that. Okay, so he got pun to be platinum because everywhere you looked, you would see pun. I remember, too, you would be on a highway driving, and on the highway, the medians and shit would have big pun things around it, because that's why it was a street team. You would get people, and they would go into the street and do things that normal advertising wouldn't do normally. Normally, people would do the traditional shit. So by him being everywhere pun, I guess that, that helped him go platinum. You know what I mean? So, then you got Mob Deep now. So you're talking about some really fucking heavyweights in hip hop: Wu Tang, Mob Deep, fucking uh, Pun, all signed by a Jew. So, what's my point here? My point here is Jews should be super respected, but we're not. We're always the ones that get called. We're robbing everybody. So instead of celebrating a Steve Ripkin and saluting him. He also helped Fat Joe, by the way. Fat Joe credits him as the first dude that helped him as well. So instead of just saluting Jews and saying there's some cool Jews and there's some assholes, same way it's got to be like that for all people, right? Technically, right? Definitely. For all for all races, you're going to have good people and you're going to have scumbags. There's going to be good people that, that help you and there's going to be people that rob you.
0: Well, I mean, I've I heard think. of That's why I think. I mean, listen,
1: wait, 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 let me finish. I I heard (laughs) that Baby Williams, for example, well, I want to get a point out. Let me just get it out because I'll forget. Um, Baby Williams is known to to rob everybody, but nobody talks about that. He actually gets sweated and, and respected. Nobody treats him like he's a Jew, but he robbed almost every artist, even his own son, Lil Wayne. And I got respect for baby. I'm a fan of him. Of, of, of you know, I put respect on his name because I like what he did with cash money. Well, I'm making a point here. Anyway, my, here's my point. Bottom line, because fucking white people and then you add on Jews are just fucking hated. I don't know why. That made it very difficult for me everywhere I went because I'm a tough dude. So, I'm not going to let you shit on me. You're never gonna fucking say nothing to my face, disrespectful. I'm punching you in your face immediately. I take it to that level. I'm one of those dudes. I take it immediately to violence. Is am I gonna say that that's the way it should be? It's the way we were raised in New York City, coming from Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Brooklyn, Queens area. It's the way we were raised. We. We 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 were very comfortable with fighting because we had to fight constantly. You know what I'm saying? I got kicked out of high school for fighting because people were trying to rob me. It was it was never a peaceful uh, 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 uh childhood, like some people in the suburbs who grew up with parents that take them away from all the shit and all they do is hang out and, and ride horses. No, pretty much my whole fucking childhood was I had to fight people every fucking day. So you get to a point where. It, it, it's actually a normal thing to punch someone right in their face. And the way that these people see it, the ones who are trying to shit on you, they make it out like you're an animal. This guy's a fucking animal. You can't, you know, ban him, block him. You know, don't have him around. And, and they blackball you. You know what I mean? And, and so you have to really be connected or powerful to get past the blackballing. Like, like Wu-Tang, when they drop, they were open about saying, you know, they elbowed their way in. But because they were so deep, there was so many of them. And they had so many other different connections from Jizza being in the industry and Rizza. People couldn't really blackball them. I'm sure they wanted to. Look at these guys. There's 20 of them at a time. But then there was like major fear. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you know, you, 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 you if you front on them, you're going to get fucked up. You know what I mean? So with me, I didn't have that crew. I wanted that crew. I tried to recruit people. Also, another difficult thing being white. Even the own people that I fuck with didn't believe in me. You know what I'm saying? So just because that's how it is. It's a known thing. If you ask other white rappers, white rappers always hate on other white rappers. They never support each other. Because every white rapper wants to be the only white rapper. I'm the only white rapper that black people like. So you automatically fucking hate the other white rapper. There's another one and he's doing good. It's like, nah, I don't don't fuck with him. Was I ever a hater of the white rappers? Not really. But a lot of them didn't like the fact that I'm so strong. Remember, I'm a producer. I'm rapping. I'm rugged. I'm down to getting your grill. I'm doing the business side of shit. So I'm not really letting you get in my way. So that creates jealousy. People can't stop you. You know what I mean? They become like, fuck that motherfucker And They look for any reason like why I shouldn't get on. Oh, his flow ain't good. His content is too uh, grimy. He's always starting trouble. Like any fucking reason you can come up with to try to stop me from fucking doing well. Maybe I wouldn't act so aggressive if you didn't stand in my fucking way. Like most people, right? If people in life they get helped by their parents, they don't become aggressive, usually, because everything's handed to them. So the beef with them is you're not hungry enough, you know, because you had everything handed to you. Yes, somebody who fucking constantly is being fronted on is going to be very hungry, and, and eventually it's like a pit bull. Eventually, the pit bull is gonna fucking bite you if you're mistreating that animal. You know, and that, that so that's where a lot of my shit comes from. And I apologize, but when I babble, you got to let me finish my babble. Your turn.
0: That's all right. It's my turn. Um, you know, there's a lot to digest in terms of what you said, but, you know, it's interesting yeah. because, you know, you and I come from different generation in terms of growing up in terms of obviously different locations as well. I'm here in Melbourne and you we're, we're in New York and I very much view my place in terms of talking to artists and talking to people is like, I'm I'm just a fan. I look in and it's interesting because it's like when I look into a world like that, I'm like, no wonder everyone's aggressive because everyone's been pit against each other. It feels like that everyone is, like you said, trying to make their way out and They don't want other people to succeed. So the aggression comes out because you're in a shit place, you're trying to survive, and then it's just a dog-eat-dog world. And then you've got, on the flip side, people who are doing well that don't have that same kind of experience. And then...
1: Well, I just want to add in, not to interrupt, just just to add in, my own family would shit on me. So not even everyone else, but now your father is telling you you'll never make it. This is not a business you should be in and calling me an asshole at the same time. So he's calling me an ass. You're an asshole. No matter what I do, you're an asshole. Oh, you did that. You're an asshole. You bought that t-shirt with Metallica on it. Why would you do that? It's a $20 shirt. It only costs $3 to make. You're an asshole. Everything's asshole. So you're hearing constantly being put down, told you'll never succeed. Then your own brother is in competition with you. constantly shitting on you, always saying nah, that verse ain't good, you don't rap good, blah blah blah, eh, it's not good, blah blah blah, so you're getting it, it's not even just the industry your own fucking family it's like, continue, just so you understand, though, I want to add that to you you understand that it, it's super deep I And mean, when your family shits on you, that hurts more than anything
0: yeah, I mean right? I, I, yeah, of course, Think I mean- about that I'm really fortunate in the sense that my family is extremely supportive. My mom, she doesn't understand hip hop at all. She has never understood it. She never will. But she is like, you can go and live your dream. I won't get it, but I'll support you. So I, I can only imagine what it would be like to not have that and how difficult it would be and that if you're being met with aggression constantly in every Form of life that you live That it's going to affect The way that you perceive Everything and vice versa If you only get support Listen,
1: listen. hip hop in the 90s Very different than now Because now a lot of stuff Happens online And you put yourself online When I was coming up You had to go in person So for example Just to give you a visual One of the first radio shows I ever went up to. Jizza from Wu-Tang before Wu-Tang dropped was in the lobby and he was going on to the same radio show I was going on to after my time is going to be done. That would never happen now. Could you imagine now that like, you know what I'm saying? But back then, Necro and future Wu-Tang would have to be in the same radio station. He was pushing Protect Your Neck, which had just dropped on vinyl. I was going up with my boys just to rhyme, just to get built. We weren't even at the level of even making our own vinyl yet. We were going up to the radio station just to show our skills. That's part of how we got our first fans. What's my point of mentioning that is that back then you had major tension with people. Everybody looking at each We're all from New York. Everybody tough. Everyone looking at each other. People don't want to show love if there's not a connection. So, like, Jizza didn't show us any love. He looked like he, he didn't. The whole time we rapped on the radio show, he, there was a, a speaker in the lobby, right? Jizza could hear everything we were rapping. So, he's hearing our session and we're fucking destroying it. It was Wild Man Steven Riz. Wild Man Steve was losing his. Fucking mind. He said he's never seen white kids rhyme like this and come up to his show. I mean, we're rapping pop culture. We're talking, mentioning horror. We're mentioning fucking crazy shit. Like our verses were bananas. You know, it was me, Ill Bill, Gore Tex, and Captain Carnage. All our shit we're talking about is just the most sick, psychedelic, metal fucking, but it's straight lyrics. And we're, you know what I mean? And I just remember, like, we walked out and, like, you know, Jizzy didn't give us any love. He was yeah, y'all guys did your thing. Okay? If somebody acknowledged you, they would say, yo, that was dope, yo. Nah, he, he specifically went out of his way not to fucking show any love. And I, I didn't, I kind of knew who he was because remember, Wu-Tang didn't drop yet, but he had a record deal. So he already had been out as a solo rapper. And I just peeked, you know, I just, you know, you walk out, you see if, if any people are acknowledging you. You know, and that was kind of the energy in New York. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like he heard us murder it, but he was probably thinking in his head, man, fuck these white kids. I, I'm, I'm here with Wu-Tang. And obviously we, we know Wu-Tang was awesome. So he, you know what I'm saying? So of course he's thinking in his head, these guys ain't fucking with us. Matter of fact, maybe he even subliminally, subconsciously thought it was competition. He's like, I'm here to blow up Wu-Tang. We're a unit of guys that all rap. And we were going up, and it was four of us. You know what I mean? So it was like kind of like a, a posse. So
0: it would make sense if that's what he thought. I
1: just, I just noticed this even back then. You know what I mean? Just people didn't want to give love. New York is a fucked up place, bro. I'm telling you. And And here's the crazy shit. In Cali and the South, they're always known to be more loving. People support each other. You know, because they didn't get the respect. New York was always known to tell say everyone sucks if you're not from New York. But Cali knew that they weren't respected. So they would support each other and probably hang out and be like, fuck New York. We've got to help each other. And so they would. And those people would all bond together and help each other. And then the South was getting shitted on by everybody before it properly blew up, thanks to Master P. And then cash money. For Master P and Cash Money, they didn't really get that respect. You know what I mean? So they totally bonded together. But New York City has always been about, I'm better than you. You know what I mean? Fuck you. Eat Every rapper is a fucking nar- a narcissist. I'm a narcissist. I, re- I recognize that I'm the way I am. But that could be because of the way everyone else was. Maybe I wouldn't have become this way. But because if, if all you see is wolves eating and attacking, most likely you're going to become a wolf attacking. If, you, if all you saw was wolves being nurturing and nice, you know, it's like you learn. listen, I come from the beginning stages. So they say a baby learns everything in the first five years. So if, if you know, if your first 10 years in hip hop is seeing just cutthroat racism, cutthroat, you know, hate, well, guess what? You know what I mean? <laughs> now, there's certain communities that had love. You know what I mean? If you were black and you were part of native tongues and you you were down with Red Alert or whatever, you had love, right? Let's say you might have a community and it was love. But notice, even in the black community, you had hate. Because how did we get the bridge boards? You got a guy from the Bronx coming to these people, uh, in Queens or whatever, uh, you know, yeah, the the, uh, the the Queens DJs and and uh, looking for love. Right? I'm a rapper. Care is one. And
0: they shit on him. Well, Bob Deep, fucking, in Prodigy, his fucking book, he said the same thing. Him. Prodigy said the exact same thing when in his book that like, it didn't matter. It was a competition. It was my area versus yours. It was always breaking out. It was always just having to prove yourself.
1: Okay. Well, but, look, but let me interject here. Yes. If you were from the Bronx, then you would have B for Queens. But if you were from Queens, you supported your Queens dudes. And if you were from the Bronx, you supported your Bronx dudes. That at least was the love amongst blacks. That was there where me, I wasn't getting the same love from the people around my circle. You understand what I'm saying? So now Yes, you do hear about it with Queensbridge, that yes, they do unite when it's against everyone else. But when it's just about Queensbridge, everyone is at odds in Queensbridge. Well, it was similar with me. People in my projects, nobody supported each other. Everyone trying to be better than... Because here's the thing with hip-hop. Hip-hop, when hip-hop was coming out in the early days, you know, late 80s, early 90s, To be a rapper and to be good, people were on your dick. Let me explain what what that means in in, in depth. You were getting love. Love that you might have not got from any parents. Love that you might have not got from the fucking school. Now you're getting love. And you're getting love where people are genuinely on your nuts. Like they think you're fucking dope. You're the shit. You never had that feeling before. You never had that feeling. You might have not even got that feeling from your own parents. You know, like like them loving you like you're that great. Especially in the 80s with baby boomers, those kind of parents were all about trying to discipline you. Everything was all about discipline. So instead of getting love, it would all be about trying to control you and shit on you. But people in the hood, you rapped good? Like, yo, you're the man, you know what I'm saying? And then if you dress dope, so you're getting praised for the way you dress. You're getting praised for the fact that you have skill as a rapper. So now everybody wants that love and you want the most love. So now if you somebody else raps, and you rap, now you feel a major competition. You're not even contemplating that hip hop's going to be a big universe and you should all connect and it's going to be the biggest thing on the planet. No, you're literally in your space, in your hood. And this other guy, you know, who maybe you're friends with, you're not buddies with him he raps too and he's also getting jocked now so you're immediately like fuck that motherfucker he wouldn't be rapping if if you didn't hear me doing it first like you're 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 having petty arguments about who raps first you're just think about that now like that would mean nothing right like who gives a fuck who did it first the reality is are you dope And do you have fans? And do people fuck with you? Because nobody's going to give a shit if you were doing it first or not. They're not going to take it away from you. You're not going to take my superpower away from me because you had a superpower before me. If I got the superpower, not only do I want to keep it, I'm going to keep it. But back then, everything's petty. Because it's the beginning stages. You're still a kid. And that's the way it is in New York. Very fucking petty. I just remember, man, everything was petty. And yo, pettiness continues. If, if you grow up a certain way, it, it, it doesn't leave you until you somehow become mature enough to become a different person. How many people really change from what they were programmed as a kid? Supposedly they say we're like our first five years. So if your first 15 years is to be a certain way, sure, when you're 30 or 40, you might learn. But you're still gonna have a lot of that shit in you. A lot of, like I still have resentment. From the projects i have a chip on my shoulder like i'm not gonna let you play me if you try to play me in person i i gotta check you on it you might say or another like, why do you have to check it why like why are you putting that energy into that well i i can even ask myself why are you doing that and then if you beat the guy up he might press charges on you then you're going to get locked up or it's going to create problems for you you're going to have to deal with police Or what if you kill him by hitting him too hard, you know, because, you know, I punch you five, six times. It's one thing to snuff somebody one time. You hit him six times. Why go through all that? Why? Because as humans, in our head, there's a fucking checklist. Checklist says he's playing me right now. I must fucking check him. If I don't check you, you're testing my fucking manhood right now. Even if you're there with three fucking other dudes and maybe you might fuck me up, you might be an MMA dude. And I still got to be like, yo, my man, I know you're an MMA dude, but you're fucking disrespecting me right now. And if that guy is street, he's going to know that MMA shit. Yeah, you might fuck me up right now, but that don't mean it ends there, brother. And that don't mean you're necessarily going to win, even too. You know what I'm saying? Because I pack weapons, and we're not in a ring. We're in a small little room now. So you trying to get me in a fucking chokehold might not work if I jerked you in your fucking neck with one of my fucking brass knuckle blades. So that's why an MMA guy not necessarily is just going to talk to street dudes like he could just beat everybody up. Because you know, what I mean, because street dudes are a different kind of breed. A street dude, it's like what what Pesci said. Pesci's like, if I fight you and you beat me up, I'm coming back the next day with a bat. If if I come back with the bat and I can't beat you, I'm coming back with a knife. If I can't beat you with the knife, I'm gonna come back with a gun. I'm not gonna stop until I fucking until I get you. So you better kill me, because if you don't kill me, I'm gonna kill you. That mentality is the mentality of, you know, having heart. That's really, what does that mean, essentially? It means you have enough heart not to let another man disrespect you. Doesn't matter if this guy's a big bouncer. Doesn't matter if this guy's with 10 people. It's a manhood thing. Um, This is, now now we can sit here, let's say, especially you, let's say if you say that's not how you will grown up, and be like, well, yeah, I hear you, but, Why can't we just be peaceful and get along? I feel you on that. But look at the world history. I didn't invent this shit. I became the way I became because of how I grew up and the other motherfuckers that were fucking with me that made me turn into a nut job. Okay? But if we look at the history, we have have had world wars. Right now, Russia's invading Ukraine. We could why would you need to invade another country that's gonna kill people? Because people. Have that manly fucking machismo shit. Here's the reality. You might be a total passive-aggressive type guy. You're not the beef. But if somebody threatened to kill your mother and you knew they were real about killing trying to kill your mother, would your attitude change?
0: I know for a fact that every person has it in them to fight for their life. I know it's, it's human instinct.
1: Okay, so let's say you're totally weak. Let's just say, hypothetically, I'm not saying you are. Let's say you're the biggest pussy ever. You just are. Somebody's just threatening to kill your mother now. Well, you're either going to be a pussy and do nothing. Now, I'm not saying just make a threat and you know the threat isn't going to be real. So you're not going to go kill the guy because he's not really going to. No, if you know that this person's going to kill your mother because it's like a gang leader. You got a choice now. Sure, you might go run to police. Let's say hypothetically, nobody did anything. Police, nobody. Now you have your mother and nobody is helping you. You're just going to have to fucking man up, right? And you're going to have to bring it to this gang leader or else your mother's going to die. So that's really what it comes down to, you know, uh, right? It's like war. You might not be a warrior, but if you know that now the infantry just invaded Australia and they're coming to your fucking house. So you're either you have a choice now, either grab, get a gun from somebody and become a man. You don't want to do it. It sucks. Now I got to kill people. But it's you or them. That's kind of like how the mentality is for a lot of people. In New York or other hood areas, anywhere that's considered hood or ghetto, that's how the people feel. They feel that kind of fucking pressure, even though I know it might not be that serious. You feel that if somebody disrespected you in the neighborhood, you feel like literally like your whole reputation is fucked now. Like you're going to be looked as a piece of shit. You have to bring it to that guy. You just fucking have to. And that that's that's the energy. You know what I'm saying? And anyone who's a real street dude will relate to me. They'll be like, "Yeah, man, that's just fucking that's the feeling you get. It's a fucking pit in your stomach." You know what I'm saying? Now, when we get older, we can avoid shit. We become smarter. I try to avoid shit. Now, I mean, I don't, nobody's going to tell me, go fuck your mother to me. We're fighting. But I'm not looking to get into beef over petty shit. What's petty? Give you an example of New York petty shit. People getting into major beef over just looking at each other. Some guy looking at you. Maybe he's looking at you because he wants to size you up. You say, what the fuck are you looking at? I got into beef in Perth, Australia, and gave a dude brain damage because he fucking said to me, what the fuck are you looking at? That kind of beef, what the fuck are you looking at, type of petty shit, is a big thing amongst men in the streets. You can't look at me the wrong way. You you know what I mean? You look at me the wrong way, I'm going to ask you, what the fuck is up? There's many reasons the person might ask you that. They might have legitimate beef with other gang people. So they don't fucking know if you're actually about to bring it. So they're checking you on that. Other people might just might not like to be looked at. Like, you know, like I feel like you're testing me by looking at me because you should you should fear me. So you should be quick not to look at me. You should be scared to look at me. but so if you're not scared to look at me, now you're testing me. Almost, you know, and it's it's very petty. But like I said, talk to any street person, they'll tell you. They've gotten into a beef in their life or many times overlooking, literally just people looking at you and you checking them or them checking you and you fight them because it was the guy in personal Australia trying to check me and it was bad for him because when he tried to check me, I wasn't having it. I was in a very bad mood. You understand? I felt threatened. So I put the beats on the guy, you know, and I went overboard
0: because do you look back on that and go, it wasn't necessary? Like, it, you know, now that, you know, you've got time on, you've got the ability now to look back and reflect and go, because you, you're you saying this is a petty type of disagreement, right? Do you look back and go, he didn't have to do that, but then I didn't have to react the way I reacted?
1: I wish I didn't get into any beef ever on tour. I've gotten into so much drama and given out so many beatings. To people on tour and it all has fucked up my touring career. People do not want to book me because I offended a lot of people that had booked me. And, 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 you know, if I didn't fuck up on certain tours, elusive touring from Australia still would have booked me. Why'd they stop booking me because of what happened? Why'd I lose my management? The first time I went to Australia, we, we, we gave out beatings at the shows. Now, you have to understand, when I say gave out beatings, it's not like I'm walking around like some father giving beatings to children. No, people are testing me. Australians, when they get drunk, are very rowdy. This is a known thing. It's a country of criminals, right? I mean, it was built on um, criminals. It's not soft people.
0: It, it depends. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: Rugged people. Let's put it this way. Australia is just as rugged as anywhere else. So that's my point. You get a bunch of drunk Australians at a necro show. Somebody's gonna start shit with me, and I—I I don't have security. I don't, you know, I don't walk around with security guards. its, it's very expensive actually to have security. When you see someone with security, they are spending a lot of fucking money, man. You know what I mean? I just don't have money like that. You know what I mean? Like I got money to do certain things, but never really had money for full security. I heard like 50 cent at one point was paying like 50 G's a month for security, like, wow. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm not saying it costs 50 G's, but, but the point is it's an expense that I, I chose not to have. And um, so that kind of means that sometimes I got to put my hands on somebody, you know what I mean? So, so I lost my management the first time we went to Australia, I lost uh, elusive touring the second time. Um, I lost money at shows. I knocked some dude out in Perth. Um, another time, the last time I was in Australia in Perth, in front of everybody, this guy was like six foot five. I put him to seat on his back because he was disrespecting. He actually came, ran up to me, and was said Chopper is a snitch because I had a song with Chopper. Why are you starting with me at my show? And and and, and if you have issues with Chopper and his history, and you feel that Chopper was a snitch why would you start with Necro at a Necro show and Chopper was dead at this time and I'm doing the song that I did with him it's like you know we're not talking about snitching in the song the song is you know about him just being a criminal or whatever a crim. so you obviously wanted to test me right I mean if you run up on me and tell me to my face Chopper is a snitch what, what, what are you trying to do what, what's your goal there? You trying to make a bitch out of me? You trying to have me get scared? Are you trying to uh have me agree with you? Yeah, like I'm just doing the song live on stage. Ninety nine percent of the crowd is down with it; they have no issue with it. A couple of people in the crowd seem to be bothered. The chopper is getting some respect at my show, or whatever. The guy's dead already, man. You know what I mean? Leave him alone. Did you feel he was a snitch? Did you hate him? Did-
0: what do you think of him? I mean, I'm not a, I wouldn't exactly say I'm a big fan of Chopper and what he did, but you know, I, I see it's it's interesting because what I, I wonder, do you think that people try to test you because of what they hear in your songs, and then obviously you're, of course. you're yes, yeah, and so people go, oh, okay, he's a tough guy, I'm going to prove myself. And I'm going to test you. And you're pretty vocal about not letting people get in your face and making sure that, you know, you also keep your self-respect. So it's interesting because I think sometimes people just want to be like, ah, oh, like, I'll go fuck with him to see if he does something.
1: I mean, listen, I don't want trouble. I want peace. Okay. Because I end up getting it the worst in the end. Because I'm the one, wow, in the end, pause. Um, I'm the one that gets it worse when the fucking dust settles. I got banned from Europe for three years from 26 countries because of me breaking teeth and giving concussions in Switzerland. Sure, it's cool that they started with me and I gave them a fucking beating and my crew gave the bouncers a beating and they ratted on us. Sure, good credibility, I guess. Oh, Necro's real. But it got me banned for three years. I lost money I could have been making. It puts out the bad word that, that Necro's trouble. Now, I, I, I had to write a, an apology letter to Switzerland for calling Switzerland snitcherland. I had went online on Facebook when I was coming home on the plane, when they deported me, would fucking, would a police guy had to, had to take me back to New York. They wouldn't let me fly back to New York alone. They sent a the government official. Uh, I went online. I was like, fuck Snitcherland. You know what I mean? And they saw it, the government. They were bothered by it. And they made me apologize to, to take the ban away. I had to hire a lawyer and everything. So, so when I went back to Europe the last time, I had to make it clear to Mr. Hyde, my hype man. First of all, you're not doing any more jumping into the crowd at the end of the encore. Like, no more stage diving. Because there's been times where he stage dives, and occasionally, one out of ten, he'll get into a fight with somebody. You know what I'm saying? Because some person didn't, you know, was an asshole. So I'm just like, yo, we can't risk any drama. You know what I'm saying? It was like on our eggshells. And then, like, certain groupies are coming backstage and bringing male friends. And I'm like, you cannot. Because sometimes a male friend, you know, will act like an asshole while we're trying to fuck the groupie. You know what I mean? Like, just being a dick. Like, you you have no business there. The girl's trying to come to fuck me. Why are you there? So, you know what I mean? So, you know, there's been occasions where those type of dudes get beat up because they're fucking being disrespectful. I had to tell these girls, no, you're not bringing nobody. You know what I mean? Like, I have to become very strict in limiting interactions with other people so that we don't get into beef. You have to understand, if you let people loosely interact with me and Mr. Hyde, somebody's getting fucking beat beat up. Not because we're fucking assholes. Because people are assholes and they fucking think they can say what the fuck they want to say and act the way they want to fucking act without repercussions. And we're not the motherfuckers, man. Bottom line, you know what I'm saying? We're not the ones that you're going to fucking play around with. And I don't give a shit if you think because we're in your fucking city you know, it's my city. Nah, it's my city, motherfucker. The world is mine. I'm a human. I don't give a fuck where I, I'm at. If I'm in Australia, I'm an Australian motherfucker. I just you find a do Don't that tell me wanted. don't tell me that I'm not I'm not from your city, bitch. Because fucking because I'm here right now. Wherever I, I lay my feet on the ground is where I fucking I stand as a man. So you're not gonna tell me no bullshit. And here's the thing. I don't disrespect anybody's city. So it's not like I go to somebody's city and talk shit or say anything that would make the people from that city be like, fuck this motherfucker. I show nothing but respect. So if I'm showing respect and I'm in your city, I want the same respect back. You know what I mean? So you're not going to disrespect me because you think that shit's weak. Cause it's only two of us. Pussy is pussy. If you're not pussy, you're not pussy. You understand when a dude is not a pussy, it don't matter. He don't. We don't give a shit if we die. We don't want to die, but we don't give a fuck. You understand what I'm saying? Reputation is everything. Reputation is everything. Why do you think people are in prison? You know what I mean? It's like you, you need to show respect. And here's the crazy shit. There's so much disrespect now with online. Because people, there's no repercussions. So people online are so disrespectful. So yes, if I could undo certain things, Here's why I would undo it. My career might have been further. There's some black rappers that excel because of their gangsterism. Being a white guy that has gangsterism, or at least for me, an American white guy, it's hurt me. It's made it where people don't want to work with me. Some of these black dudes, people want to work with them more. Oh, he's gangster. Oh, Kodak Black got locked up. Let's book him some more. Oh, Necro punched someone in the face of Melbourne? Nah. Don't book him again. Fuck him. Here's the crazy shit. The fans of Melbourne love me, though. You go up to any of these kids or any of these grown men now, what do you think of Necro? He's a good fucking bloke. Bring that mate back. They're not going to say, fuck Necro, because he punched someone. And if they bring up that I punched someone, they're going to take my side and be like, hell yeah. We expect nothing less. We would be disappointed if Necro didn't punch that motherfucker in the face. You understand? There's a huge difference between what a fan thinks and these industry cocksuckers. The dudes that were running elusive touring are the softest dudes on the planet. Baby soft, tissue soft. Like they couldn't punch their fists through a wet fucking paper towel. That's how soft these guys are. And they're Australians. Could you imagine if Chopper Reed was running elusive touring and he heard that I punched some guys in the face? He would probably say, you didn't fucking stab them? All you did was punch them, Necro? You don't qualify, Necro. Next time, stab those motherfuckers. Now, obviously, that would be out of line and a little bit too much, and I probably would have been arrested. By the way, I did get arrested in Australia, um, you know, and I was in the holding cells. And when I was in the cells, I had fans there and the fan, the guys, all the people went nuts. They're like, what the fuck are you doing here in Australia in our jail? And I said, uh, "Yeah, somebody got out of line and they all agreed with me. Well, you did what you had to do. You did proper. Well, what else are you supposed to fucking do? You understand? Society has it that you should be a punk bitch. This is only in this new last hundred years. Go back to the Wild West. What would happen if you fucking insulted somebody back in the Wild West? Shot immediately. Bow. Immediately.
0: But life is not good when you get shot for looking at somebody. You know? No.
1: no. But, if, but, but But if somebody robbed your fucking goods at a time where you were struggling and you barely had any goods... And they robbed one third of your goods. Should they? Should they possibly maybe get shot? Maybe get a bullet in their ass to, to realize not to rob people like you. Let use that as an example. You're not living in your plush house now. You're in a fucking carriage, and some fucker robbed one third of your goods and and your food. And now your kid and wife might not be able to eat. Should that guy get shot? Especially if he tells. Especially if when you approach him, he tells you to go fuck yourself to your face. Do something, bitch.
0: Well, that time, yeah, because you got no other way of dealing with it. But I still think that you know, there's there's a there's a line, and I think that when we talk about using violence these days, and personally, like like I said, if I needed to, I would. It's not my first go to thing. If I need to, I will. But I think honestly, now if you can walk down the street and you're and you're relatively safe it's a better thing you don't want look people- look, look
1: look i'm look I, like i said before i'm all for peace i like peace i'm all for peace but a thug does not understand peaceful language usually depending on the thug if he's a, if he's a mature gangster then he's already surpassed the bullshit and yes you can talk to him like a man one on one and be peaceful but if if it's an aggressive thug an immature, aggressive thug, they don't understand talking. There's only, the only language they understand is the language of violence.
0: And I agree it's with sad.
1: you. It's sad, but it's just the reality. So now, do you let this aggressive, immature person trample all over you and you become the doormat for this piece of fucking shit? Not me. I'm going to put that piece of shit down, pause, right down the toilet. I'm going to, I'm going to crack that person in his fucking face. And, and listen, if you're in the jungle and somebody fucks with you, most animals, right? You come up to the wrong animal, they strike at you. Get the fuck out of here. You see it all the time, right? It doesn't matter who it is. Even the weak animals will still, they'll be like, that. get the fuck out of here. So if weak animals in the jungle will at least fight back, okay, you know what I'm saying? How are you as a human going to let somebody fuck with you and not fight back? That's like humans can, can, can sometimes be the biggest pussies ever. You know what I mean? Like total fucking wimps. In the, in the jungle, you know what I'm saying? A deer being chased by a lion or a, or, 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 or a tiger is even going to try to kick the fucking tiger in the face to get the fuck out of here. And run away. It might be running away, but it's gonna, you know what I'm saying? It's gonna try something, you know? Um, and then, and, 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 and the, the, the ant, like a snake. If you don't bother a snake, it doesn't necessarily fuck with you or a cobra. But you, you start fucking with it, poking at it. A cobra. Same thing with a bear. I mean, sure, a bear could fuck with you technically, but most likely you leave the bear alone. It's probably gonna rummage and do its own thing. If you start fucking with the bear, as they say, poke the bear. Well, now you got a bear on your neck now. You know what I mean? You woke up that beast. A lot of people, the toughest guys are peaceful guys. But if you wake up the beast, you know what I mean? Leave that man alone. Respect the fact that that man can fuck you up. And will fuck you up.
0: Well, that's what I honestly think. choppers.
1: Listen. Listen, 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 Chopper. I'm sorry. I'll say one last thing. Chopper didn't just go around starting with people. Like I use him as an example. He didn't. It wasn't known Chopper was like a bully. So you would have to be smart to know not to fuck with Chopper. If you did fuck with him, you're the dumb motherfucker. Because now he's gonna fuck you up. But you had the choice, right, to avoid Chopper or not bother him, or you could have just been nice. Hey, Chopper, how you doing? Leave him alone And I'm sure he would have been like hey mate And it wouldn't have been a beef Wasn't like he was like a Psycho killer just running around You know what I mean attacking people's Mothers
0: Well I just think if you treat people With respect you're going to get respect back Like that I mean that just Makes sense to me and there is Always a line that line is different For every person of what They're willing to take before they step Up that's That's the reality of it. You don't know the other person's line. So I just don't understand why people would fuck with other people for no reason. Like, that's what I've never really done.
1: Sometimes sometimes it's called testing. Some people like to test people. I even test people sometimes, but I'm more in the comedy realm. I'm not testing people to get them into a brawl. You know, I might test, you know, someone joking because I'm kind of open to comedy. But in the jungle, there's always somebody stronger trying to take over somebody weaker. Whether or not the weaker one can fight it off, the reality is the strong survive. And the strong are always attacking prey. That's why we have predator and prey. Predator is is always going to try to see if you're prey. And if you don't want to be prey, you need to become predator. So a predator might come up to you, you specifically, and tell you, hey, uh, you're doing my fucking laundry. And you might be like, nah, I'm I'm not doing your laundry. And he slaps you right in your fucking face. You're going to do my laundry, you fucking bitch. And if you don't fucking do my laundry, I'm going to fuck you up every day I see you. And if you get scared, and well, you're gonna do laundry. You, you you just became a bitch, or you have to fight this guy. You know what I mean? And I mean, shit. Maybe he'll kill you. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll respect you. I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm just giving you a random scenario. I mean, that's you know, that's more of the jailhouse shit. You know, yeah. obviously nobody's come up to you and tell you to do laundry, but it could be any scenario. It could it could be more subtle. Somebody just trying to bully you in the radio realm. You know, yeah, you're not going to fucking do podcasts and uh, promote in this area. You're like, what what are you talking about, man? You know what I mean? Like, and he's, yeah, well, I'm going to come up to your podcast place and punch you in your face. If if you you keep doing podcasts in Melbourne, because that's my fucking territory. You know what I'm saying? You might be like, what the fuck? This guy. And that's because he's testing you. You know what I mean? Now. You know, obviously, if some nobody would ever say that to me because my reputation is it precedes me. I mean, nobody would tell me I can't do podcasts, but I'm just saying, if the person did, I would immediately tell them the most disrespectful thing you, that you're supposedly not supposed to say to a man. You know, suck my dick, which basically is like totally disrespectful, and that's what I would tell anybody that came at me. That I would basically let them know, like, yeah, I'm telling you the most disrespectful shit. Because fuck you, and I'll fucking kill you on sight. You know what I mean? But, you know, that obviously, I would think anyone with brains wants peace. Nobody, uh, why would you not want peace? Anybody with brains wants peace. The only reason that we don't have peace is because somebody is starting shit, always. So they obviously, maybe maybe they don't know what peace is. You know what I mean? Maybe they're psycho mentally. Maybe the person has mental problems. So they fucking dupe fucked up shit. And, And maybe they just need to be put down by some peaceful dudes. Need to put that person just the fuck down because maybe he can't even control it. You know what I mean? There's so many scenarios. Like, you know what I mean? It could be somebody who was raped as a kid. And now he became a predator. Cause he was fucking destroyed by his father and they raped him and he's mentally psycho. So now he's fucking with people. He, you know, it's like the world is fucked up. The whole world is, is a whole big uh, choice. Everything's a choice. You have a choice to be angry or happy. You have a choice to be violent or peaceful. You, you know what I'm saying? And people make different choices. And because everyone makes a whole different choice, it always clashes. We always clash with each other. Maybe me and you might not clash. But you're, you're going to clash with somebody. I'm going to clash with somebody. You know what I mean? This is reality. You know, I notice sometimes I'll feel bad. I'll be like, you know, am I an asshole? Do I clash with too many people? Is it my personality? Am I a fucked up dude? And then I go and watch TV or reality shows or whatever. And I notice everything is clashing. You can't even show drama on a TV show if people are not beefing with each other. If people are, everyone is at war, either suing each other, either they don't like each other, uh, when they talk to each other, they're talking condescending, uh, or someone, you know, it's all different level degrees. Now, is that because you can't show drama unless you show drama? Meaning it's a known thing when you write drama, you have to create conflict, right? So like if there was a movie about me and you, we could not technically make it a good movie, if it was just me and you being buddies and we do podcasts, it wouldn't be an interesting drama because it would, it would. we would have to show somebody trying to kill us and saying that we can't do podcasts anymore to create the drama between that villain and what we're going to do and everything in between leading to the resolution of that person starting shit with us. So maybe that's just part of TVs and movies, but I think it's, yeah, it's the, the hero's that journey.
0: It, that's what it is. It's the, like, you know, you have to go through the down to get to the up. It's like the redemption story. So you got to go through the shit to get to. to And I think that's
1: life. And I think that's, and I think that's life. And I think that's why it is always beefing. Everyone beefs. And so I don't feel bad if I have conflict with people because I realize it's not something just because of my personality. It's everyone's personality. Like for instance, my mother, one of the nicest people ever, everyone likes her, but uh, she's always beefing with people. And she's very liked and not a person that beefs with people, but it'll just happen. Oh, blah, blah, blah is being blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And it's just because, man, other people think a certain way. You think a certain way and it clashes. This is really what happens with everyone that we're talking about in drama, reality shows. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, The groom doesn't want the wedding to be this way. She wants it this way. They start beefing. He doesn't like her pressuring. So he he leaves for three weeks and she's with the baby and they're beefing. You know what I mean? Like, like there's so many degrees, you know, necro on tour fighting someone or beating someone up. That's just one angle of, of conflict in the world. Right now there's people that are married that are fighting each other. Like brutally fighting each other. Like, you know, I don't mean brutally fighting each other as far as punching with the fists in the face. They might, they might have lawyers involved now talking about divorce and that's going to get fucking messy if there's kids because now you're talking about the, the money. Like, like, like yo know, that's even worse than getting punched in the face. I would rather get punched in my fucking face and beat up and have it over with than get beat up by somebody legally.
0: Yeah, it's rough. I mean, yeah, I've seen it as well. I've, I think we've all seen it. It's all tough. And, you know, I'd love to continue talking to you. I'm just aware of... Time because I feel like we could talk forever, but I only have one question for you. And we're gonna change
1: well, see, I'm, I'm, see, I'm one of those dudes that gives a good interview. That's why. Like if there was some other buddy else, they might just give yes or no answers to your questions. Some people are like that. I've seen that. Like, yes, nah, nah. I'm a good interview because um you talk. I don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind speaking on shit. Well, because a lot of this stuff you're asking me is deep shit. You're talking about stuff that it's very hard to. Uh, you can't talk about the streets and drama and and the hip hop, you know, uh, uh, community and sum it up in a fucking line.
0: You, well, you to be honest, no one gives a shit about the questions that everybody comes up with, like you know, the the random bullshit questions that you've probably answered a hundred times. How did you come up with the name Necro? All that shit. I hate those questions. Yeah. So I don't ask them because. You can just Google that shit. It's all out.
1: There. Yeah, I mean, I don't really love those kind of questions, but I mean, to me, you know, I mean, it's, it's whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you know, I might not get you know, get into a, an hour reply on that question. Then you know, maybe that I can answer and just tell you, okay, I got it from a Slayer album and a song called Necrophobic and Necrophilia. Excuse me. And I wanted something brutal. You know, you know, and so I looked. To my metal influences, and I was like, "I want the most brutalist name for hip hop," and then it got shortened to Necro. Actually, by Bobito from Stretch and Bobito, he's just calling it to me on short and uh, by you know to, to shorten my name. He probably didn't like saying necrophiliac because he's one of those type of people, and uh, it made more sense to me actually because Necro is the prefix to death, so it pertains to everything. And I didn't like really being looked at as a fucker of dead bodies. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't really my purpose really you know calling myself necrophiliac but everybody kept asking also that means you fuck dead bodies so now i'm like oh the rest of my life i'm gonna be answering that so i liked being necro because now it's the prefix for death so it just means you know it's like calling myself darkness or calling myself evil necro you know what i mean it's dark i'm wrapping dark dark subject matter but um you know and then that would be my answer to that but it, because that's something you can answer quick But asking me about, you know, the transitions of hip hop, you know, it's going to require a deeper answer. Now, you know, it it, it depends who you ask. If you ask a guy like Big Daddy Kane, he's probably also going to give you a lengthy answer. It depends who you ask. You know, if you ask new new rappers from the Migos, he might not. I don't know him personally, but he might not have an answer for you that's going to be in depth. He might be like, nah, we did do what we do, John.
0: Well, I mean, I've had interviews where I have to talk a lot more, and I've had interviews where I do less talking. And to be honest, I always want the artist to be whoever they are, whatever that is. You do you, because that's why I'm speaking to you. But my I last, mean, I want people to, you. I
1: want people to hear me. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, this is why I'm doing the in, the interview. You know, I mean, I haven't done many recently. Um, not gonna get into why or whatever, but you know, I mean, just you know, I'm like, yeah, I might as well do more. You know, um. I know your platform for what I'm seeing number wise is just starting, but you know, maybe it'll be my shit that helps you get further than the other rappers, maybe because I'm bigger than them and maybe the views will go up more. You know what I mean? I I definitely want anything that I, I put time into to have a return on investment. You know what I mean? I don't like to just give away an hour and then nobody hears this, you know? So I'm almost having faith in you and, and a couple of other people I agreed to do interviews with later on or whatever in the week or in the month, you know, because, you know, I don't want to just sit around waiting for, you know, hip hop DX to be the only, not that I am, I don't care about them, but I'm just saying, you know, like these bigger outlets, they don't tend to show love to a necro. So, you know, part of my brain, sometimes, you know, I'll, I don't want to do things where people are just starting out and they don't have a hundred thousand followers because I want people to see what the fuck I'm doing. I want I want people to hear this interview. You know what I mean? Because somebody will hear it and may, and they'll become a necro fan. Maybe well, one, maybe twenty, maybe hundred.
0: It is definitely but, growing. Know. So I mean, the good thing is that you know I always look at it. And, it, and to be honest, weirdly enough, we recently charted uh, sixth in Ukraine. We're doing quite well in Europe. That's crazy. But yeah.
1: So uh, was well, there? You say you you, you had yeah, one, one
0: one more question. If you had to recommend one album, it doesn't have to be hip-hop, one music album that everybody should listen to at least once to get appreciation of other than your own, what would it be?
1: If I listen to one album? um, Well, my favorite album of all time is Master of Puppets from Metallica. So, um, you know, I mean, like I I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that everyone should listen to it only because – if you're not a metalhead, you might not get the album. You know what I mean? For me, it's my favorite album. You know what I mean? So that, that's the thing. It's hard to tell, oh, everyone should listen to this. You know what I mean? Because what if it's some dumb girl? I should take that back because not necessarily being a female means. Let's just say it happens to be a chick that listens to like Britney Spears. And, and I tell you, Metallica, Man of Republics. It's not gonna do nothing for her. She, she, she won't get it, you know what I mean. So, um, but my favorite album of all time is Metallica Master of Puppets. Um, you know, as far as you know, albums that people should listen to, there's so many, you know, it's hard to pick one.
0: That's why you know? that's why I never answer it's the question, that's why I ask. But it's more of just like for you, something that you wish everybody could appreciate. I think that's the question, is like. What do you wish that everybody got an appreciation?
1: His, 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 his. Well, obviously, my my shit, I wish everyone would appreciate. <laughs> the reality is um, I wouldn't want probably everyone to appreciate Metallica, Master of Puppets, and it wouldn't be as special. I think when we love something, we, we really don't want everybody. This is a problem with me. My own fans, probably, in some level, they don't want to bring much people into me. They might let the key people that they know really will appreciate it, and then they, they let them know about me if they don't. But they're not, they're not brainwashing me into everything. And, I, and that's why I'm not going to get bigger. You know what I mean? Now, Metallica is obviously huge. I wouldn't want every single idiot who I would consider an idiot that needs to be told what to listen to, listening to Master of Puppets, because it's dear to me. You know what I'm saying? It's special to me. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, that's a hard answer. I, I don't you know, I don't think I can say any album. I mean, I could say, oh, Nas Illmatic, but then I'm giving Nas Illmatic the props over so many other shit, and it is a great album, but do I believe Nas is the dopest guy ever? And it just literally, he's the, I, nah. I don't think that's fair to everyone else that rhymes. To just give, I don't think it's fair to ever give one rapper that much props. That one rapper is so much above every other rapper. Nah, some people are better than others, you know? So that, that, yeah, I mean, you know, I could say you should listen to the the, the debut album of Madonna because it's a good album and it's, it's her early shit and you get to see what she's about. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, th- that would probably be something that that girl that I was talking about that listened to Britney Spears, that's what she should listen to so she could learn where fucking that sound came from. It didn't start with a Britney. It actually started with a Madonna. We'll listen to early madonna and you'll learn where all that pop shit came from it came from madonna not even trying to be pop just her being fucking you know an italian girl from new york in the dance scene and creating some fucking dope shit so you know i i think you can't put one one album can't fit for everybody it's not possible the people are way too different for you to pick one album for everybody it well, has it's to be impossible question it has to be one album for each genre so if you say metalhead, you know a metalhead, I'd say, oh, well, Master of Puppets is the the, the fucking, is, is the Bible for uh, for metal, in my opinion. If you say hip-hop, that's a little harder there. Because like I said, you don't want to just act like Nas is the only dope hip-hop. You don't want to say 36 Chambers and then everything has to be Wu-Tang, because then that shit's on, on Illmatic. You don't want to, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to just say Rakim, because then you shit on G-Rap. There's way too many rappers. You would have to make a compilation. You would have to make a playlist for these people. If you say an album, it would have to be a new album playlist created specifically for the person.
0: Well, the good thing is I, don't I believe, do so many of I these interviews believe. that we have a compilation of albums that we'll have by the end of my career at some point in like 100 years, we'll have every album under the sun that every artist appreciates.
1: Well, uh, listen. I gave you master a puppet so wrong with that
0: one we'll take it well a pleasure Necro thank you for coming out I do appreciate the time and we've spoken about so much and you've given a lot but man if you ha- if anyone hasn't listened to Necro please listen to him buy the merch artists make more money off merch and CDs rather than just listening to Spotify um, obviously you know actually you're wrong oh really Well, my digital
1: is booming. I told you because I own all my masters and I have a huge uh, listenership. I have 2 million listeners a year that listen to my shit. So don't believe the hype. It's not necessarily true that streaming pays less than other shit. It's all relative. It depends.
0: Well, keep listening and buy the merch. Let's do both. It doesn't have to be one or the other. I'm going to tell
1: everybody where to go. All right. Um, Go to my Spotify. It's number one place. If you happen to listen to uh, uh, Apple Music or whatever, or these other, uh, uh, you know, YouTube, that's cool. But preferably go to Spotify, follow me, and, uh, you know, add me to your playlists. And as far as merchandise, I have two stores, necroproduct.com and Uh Necroproduct.com is, you know, all necro, dark, evil shit. And sexassistshop is uh, my new store, which has all, uh, you know, sex rap related uh, t-shirts and shit. And um, yeah, man, you know what I'm saying? If you support me on Spotify and, and you buy merch, you know, follow me on Instagram, Necro Rules on Instagram. That's pretty much it these days as far as music goes, you know what I mean? Like, what? That's all you really want, you know what I mean? It's like, there's not much more than that. As far as buying CDs, I sell CDs in my store, but CDs are not a big fucking seller yet, really. I hear they're coming back and kind of becoming like the new vinyl. I don't know if that's happened yet this year. I heard that, though, and rumors that, you know, CD is going to be the new collector's item, kind of like how vinyl is. It's so beautiful. I got some CDs in my store now. But, um, yeah, man, the reason I like streaming the most, to be honest with you, is I do make the most money from it. And anyone can stream me could be anyone in, in Australia, anyone in Africa, anyone in any part of the country that's, that has Spotify. And you could hear my whole catalog and you could listen to two hours of me. It's not like when you buy a CD, you buy it once, you spend the 10 bucks, or whatever. It might sit on your shelf. You listen to it once in a while. If you're streaming me, you might play me every night. Every night I listen to Yngwie Malmsteen or Metallica or this or Sepultura or Big Daddy Kane. So those guys are getting streaming money from me constantly, not just one sale of a CD. So now you might say, yeah, the streaming amount from Just Necro is only going to equal this amount. Well, they all have 800,000, 300,000, 400,000 monthly listeners. Those guys should be making a, a, a good amount of money. Like I said, if Big Daddy Kane doesn't own any of his first three, four albums, then there's a chance he might not be making that money. So so a guy like Big Daddy Kane might make more money off shows than Necro. But remember, though, Big Daddy Kane is getting booked constantly because he's old school. He's not known for punching people in the face. So he's not. I mean, I I, I know it sounds funny. It's fucked up, actually. But Big Daddy Kane comes from a time that's different. And so he's getting booked now constantly as a golden age rapper. And he probably get paid $5,000 a show, $3,000, $4,000, $6,000. It adds up. So, yeah, he probably makes more, I would say Big Daddy Kane, in my opinion, makes more money probably off shows than streaming or merch. A Necro makes the most off streaming. Well, here's the thing. When I get booked on a tour, I'll make the most. Because I'll go I'll go out on a tour for two weeks and I'll get paid $50,000. You know what I mean? So, but how many tours am I doing? like that constantly you know what i mean usually before covid it was maybe at once a year or once every two years since covid i'm not really getting any offers now for full full tours and the guys that you see doing tours like my competition they're not getting paid well like you might see them oh this rapper just did 20 show tour yeah but he's not getting paid what i would want i would want 2500 3000 a show this guy's going out for like fucking 500 a show now. You know what I mean? So, yeah, he might have accumulated 10 Gs in a month and did 20 shows and got 500 a show and whatever. But me personally, I don't work that free. I don't work for that for that cheap. I feel like it's too much work, you know, to go out and do 20 shows and only get 500 a show. So, you know, uh times have changed. COVID fucked up. Definitely fucked touring up because I, I usually always got offered... A, a substantial big tour every two years at least. You know what I'm saying? And I haven't toured probably four years now. Because probably I would have ended up touring during pandemic when that happened. As soon as that happened, fucked everything up. So now things are kind of coming back, they seem. So yeah, who knows? But yeah, man, basically what I'm trying to get at is everybody rapper different. It all depends on how, how much they own of their shit. You know what I mean? If you don't, so that's what it is. That's why you would assume streaming isn't as much. Well, I a lot of them have shit.
0: said to me they make more from sales and merch sales than they do from streaming. But you know, listen to the artist. If- yeah, but
1: between me and you, but between me and you, and this is not dissing them. A lot of these rappers ain't selling dick physically either. They're they're doing so terribly streaming wise. Like I'm talking, like they might not even be making a hundred dollars a month off streaming. You have to go look at this Spotify. If you go look at this Spotify and the shit is under 10,000 monthly listeners and it's under 5,000 monthly listeners or they're fucking 300 monthly, they're not making any money. They're getting nothing. So if they sell 50 CDs, 25 to their family, their aunt, their mom, their, their, they're going to tell... I'm just keeping it real with you, bro. Because I'm, I'm no filter. They're going to tell you, I'm making money on physical. Nah, bro. A lot of these rappers are working regular jobs. I don't know if they told you that. I don't know if you asked them. Some of them tell me. I don't know if you asked them. Are you living off hip hop? Because fucking they'll fucking lie to your face, bro. Bro, you're not living off hip hop. You're You're a fucking liar, bro. I know because I do this. So I can tell you, I know I lived this over 20 years. Motherfuckers are liars. If you want to be a real scumbag, next time you interview one of these rappers, ask them, how much money a month do you pull in off of hip-hop? They'll probably stutter immediately. I think we do. Well, I made, oh I got $500 off of a collabo. Yeah, okay, I could believe that. Maybe somebody gave you 500 for a collaboration somewhere.
0: I think I'll be for a your a... podcast. When you decide to make your own podcast, you can ask them. But um, I, I, as I said, I'm aware yeah. we're going to talk for like ever. Um, but I just want to say I did, absolute pleasure. I appreciate you giving me the time. No doubt. I, I hate to cut you off, but um, yeah, no, nah, it's been awesome speaking to you. And yeah, I'm excited to see you keep putting out music and keep doing your thing because I think characters like you in hip hop keep adding to the culture and, you know, having the same rappers all the time you don't want that you want different people so no nah, man it's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege to speak to you all right thank you thanks for listening to the show please like and subscribe and follow me on instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news also don't forget to check out my patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show bye for now